Chapter 5 of Italian Life and Legends by Anna Cora Mollett Ritchie. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Kelly Taylor. Chapter 5 Florentine Bridges. Among the most remarkable and the most picturesque features of Florence are its old historic bridges arching themselves over the Arno, as it noiselessly steals through the city, bridges that have witnessed many memorable scenes, and have been again and again swept away when the mountain torrents swelled the quiet-looking stream to overflowing, and again and again rebuilt, with ever-increasing strength and beauty. The bridge farthest to the east is called the Ponte de Grazie, or di Rubaconte. This last name it received in honor of the Milanese Podesta Rubaconte, who laid the foundation stone, and to whom the city of Florence was in various ways indebted. The first appellation it derives from a little chapel at the foot of the bridge, dedicated to Santa Maria della Grazie. The bridge was built by Lapo, father of the celebrated Arfano. It was at the foot of this bridge that, in 1273, the two discordant factions styled Ghibellines and the Guelphs, through the mediation of Gregory X, met, and with great solemnity concluded a peace, which was to last until death. Pope Gregory X, in the company with the French king Charles, and with Baldwin of Flanders, chanced to pass through Florence on their way from Rome to Lyon, where they were to hold a council. They were highly delighted with the fair city of Florence and resolved to pass the summer there. The Pope greatly lamented the bitter feud which existed between the proud Ghibellines and the fiery Guelphs and notice the constant injuries which the beautiful city sustained through the strife. Ghibellines are the party in favor of the empire as opposed to the church, and the Guelphs in favor of the church as opposed to the empire. Pope Gregory, not questioning his power, made up his mind to put a sudden end to these unseemly dissensions. The Ghibelline leaders were then in exile and he ordered that they should return and make peace with the Guelphs. The pontiff had a huge scaffolding of wood erected at the foot of the Ponte alla Grazie, and there, on the second day of July, 1273, all the dignitaries were seated, with the Pope in the center. The Florentine people congregated in the dry bed of the Arno. The Pope solemnly addressed the assembled multitude and decreed that the Ghibellines and the Guelphs should become friends forevermore under the pain of excommunication to whoever should not obey the order. He made the syndics of each party, who were doubtless more inclined to tear each other to pieces than to embrace, publicly kiss one another on the mouth and give bail and hostages. The ceremony was performed with all due solemnity, 
but forevermore during which the peace thus forcibly concluded was to last represented a period of four days after this brief respite the feud broke out with fresh fury and rage more violently than ever the incensed pope retired immediately from florence and kept his word by excommunicating the whole city under this interdict florence remained with the exception of a short interval for three years the only removal of the excommunication was owing to a somewhat singular circumstance the pope in returning from Lyon to rome intended to cross the arno above the city of florence but the river was much swollen that the passage of the ferry-boat was impossible the pope could not place his holy foot in a city that was excommunicated for his presence was supposed to be synonymous with blessings there was no alternative but take off the interdict before he entered the gates as he traversed the streets he dispensed his blessings according to established custom but when he passed out of the opposite gate he immediately took back all the blessings so profusely showered and fulminated the excommunication anew in one of the small houses standing on a pier of the bridge the poet menzini was born and in another the franciscan monk biat tommaso de bellan the ponte vecchio or jewellers bridge as it is often called is lined by shops of jewellers goldsmith or other workers in metal this bridge is said to be built on etruscan piers it was carried away by flood in eleven seventy seven rebuilt and again swept away in thirteen thirty three it was rebuilt by tadeo gadi in thirteen thirty five an inscription beneath one of the arches commemorates the fact the officers of the torre of or towers presided at its reconstruction and the arms of the torre sculpted underneath the loggia or open part of the bridge are mingled with those of the republic upon this bridge in fourteen twenty was signed the treaty of peace between pope martin v and fortebraccio lord of pisa it was this pope martin who on the year previous had evinced his gratitude to the city of florence for its hospitality by presenting the signoria with a gold rose a very singular honour the presentation of a rose of gold upon easter sunday by a roman pontiff to a prince or potentate who had won his favor is a very ancient custom cambry describes the rose as a golden bough with leaves of gold very fine and on it nine roses one bud above the nine and inside there was musk and myrrh and balsam upon easter sunday second of april fourteen nineteen when pope martin presented florence with his rose the gonfalonier mayor bernardo de castello was prevented by serious illness from receiving the much prized offering tideo gherardini chairman of the signoria for that day occupy 
Bernardo's place, and from that time his family was called Gerardini della Rosa. After the Pope had placed the rose in the hands of Messer Tadeo Gerardini, the pontiff came out of the Piazza Santa Maria Novella with thirteen cardinals and members of the Signoria. They all, the Pope excepted, mounted their horses, and eleven cardinals led the way. Then came Messer Tadeo with his rose, two cardinals followed him, and the Signoria closed the procession. The horsemen passed through all the principal streets, and then returned to the Palazzo Vecchio. The rose was ceremoniously placed in the chapel of the palace, where it remains to the present day. In one of the houses on the Vonte Vecchio, the poet Ariosto was entertained for six months by Cavaliere Niccolo Vespucci on the occasion of the Feast of St. John and the election of Leo X, and here the poets first saw Alessandro Benucci, widow of Tito Strozzi, and fell in love with her. The correspondence between this lady and the poet lasted uninterrupted until her death in 1532, and she appears to have reciprocated his attachment. Above the shops which lined the bridge was a gallery ingeniously uniting Palazzo Pitti to the Galleria degli Uffizi and the Palazzo Vecchio, built by Cosimo I. It was at the foot of this bridge that the gallant young bridegroom, Bulamonte, coming from his nuptials, was waylaid by the outraged relatives of a fair lady he had deserted. He was slain at the base of the Statue of Mars. This statue was afterwards removed from its place near the bridge on account, it is said, of the sad associations to which it was forever linked. The Ponte a Santa Trinita is by far the most beautiful of the bridges. The former bridges, which occupied the site of the present one, have frequently been swept away. The last bridge was constructed by Bartolomeo Amananti, architect to the Grand Duke Cosimo I. It was finished in 1569. From its incomparable lightness and elegance, it was thought too fragile to sustain great weights, and heavily laden wagons were prohibited by the authorities from crossing. Amananti, highly indignant at being supposed so unskillful as to build a bridge which was insecure, ordered an immense car to be filled with stones. The car was so ponderous that it could with difficulty be drawn by six strong horses. Upon these stones the architect himself mounted and was drawn to the center of the bridge. Here he remained for several hours, discoursing with the people from his throne of stones, and practically convincing the Florentines of their error, and of the injustice they had done to him. Yet one hundred and fifty years passed ere carriages were allowed by the Grand Duke to pass over it. An inscription cut in the stone of this bridge 
records the name of a brave Frenchman who, when the Arno was swollen, and rushing onward with a fierce current, threw himself into the river to save a poor Florentine artisan, and, though the unfortunate man's leg was broken, rescued him, at the imminent risk of his own life, and restored him to his family. The angles of the bridge are adorned by statues of the four seasons, the one representing winter by Tadeo Landini is considered the finest. The Ponte alla Caraja is said to have been the second that was built, and it was called Nueve Ponte in contradistinction to Ponte Viecchio. The architect was Lapo. It was first erected in 1218 and swept away by a flood in 1269. The most appalling catastrophe imparts great interest to this bridge. It was an ancient custom in Florence to celebrate the first weeks in May by superb pageants. This Ponto alla Caraja was the favorite bridge for the exhibition of spectacles to the people. The different parties and companies of Florence vied with each other to gain the palm for grandeur and originality of display. In the year 1304, the company San Friando resolved to offer a magnificent May Day fete to the Cardinal Niccolo de Prato, who was then visiting Florence. T. A. Trollope, in his Commonwealth of Florence, quaintly remarks that they wished to invent a fete which would be magnificent and at the same time especially adapted to the sacred character of the guest whom they wished to honor. So it was determined to regale the dignified Dominican cardinal with a representation of hell and the torments of the damned depicted to the life. The company sent around the city a band of musicians and a herald to announce that whoever wanted to have news of the other world must come to the Ponte alla Caraja. The bridge was at that time constructed of wood. The painter Buffalamacco directed the spectacle. A quantity of artificial fire of various colors was employed to lend splendor and reality to the performance. The infernal regions are, were represented upon the Arno. The river was covered with rafts and barges, peopled with demons rushing about amidst the flames, groaning, shrieking, yelling, and inflicting torment upon naked souls, these naked souls of the condemned being made manifest by naked bodies. We quote Trollope's description of what ensued. The scene was at its height and the interest and satisfaction of the beholders proportionally intense, when all at once the bridge, burthened beyond its strength by the vast crowd of spectators, fell with a crash into the hell beneath, overwhelming the devils and their victims and the crowd of gazers in one common ruin of indescribable mass of inextricable confusion with what the fall and the injuries by the timbers of the ruined bridge and drowning in the water and crush one another, few either of the actors or spectators of the scene escaped 
with their lives. It is said that there was hardly a family in Florence which did not lose a relative by this catastrophe. The historian Volani coolly observes that they saw hell much nearer than they intended. The painter Buffalamacco happily escaped. He had left the bridge a few moments before the accident to procure something needful to the show. It is related that Dante was present at this spectacle and that he there first conceived his idea of the inferno. Not far from the Ponte alla Caraja stands the house where Amerigo Vespucci was born. A tablet over the front of the building bears an inscription recording that fact. In 1304, the Ponte alla Caraja was first built throughout with stone. In 1333, it was again entirely destroyed by the overflow of the Arno. It was then repilt by the architect Fra Giovanni de Campi in its present form, except that Amanati in 1557 rebuilt two of the arches, which had been carried away. Every year, on the festival of San Giovanni, patron saint of Florence, the most splendid fireworks are exhibited from this bridge, and the Arno is covered with barges containing bands of music. The fireworks which we witnessed there in 1865 were superb beyond description. They were literally pictures painted in flashes of colored fire. Florence has now added to her historic bridges two modern suspension bridges, the Ponte San Fernando and the Ponte San Leopoldo. They were constructed by a French engineer and completed in 1837, but the furious little Arno proved too strong to be resisted by one of them. The bridge above the Ponte alla Grazie was swept away in November 1844 and rebuilt in 83. As we stand upon any one of these bridges and watch the stream gliding through the street, and winding through richly green valleys, and we lift our eyes to palaces, towers, and churches, singularly imposing in their individuality, and then to San Mignato, to the Fisole, and Bellosgado, to the background formed by the stately Vallombrosian hills, and the purple peaks of the Carrara Mountains, we are forced to admit that it is the position of those bridges and the landscape replete with rare and varied loveliness which they command that redeems the narrow little Arno from insignificance and imparts to it the pictorial aspect for which it is celebrated. End of chapter 5